This week is a real first for this podcast because I am welcoming our very first male guest, almost 100 episodes in. And this week we got practical talking about three things that we should all be doing for a healthy body that moves with ease, plus what training zones we should be getting into for an efficient workout plan. Let's get into this. Welcome to the Busy Woman's Guide to Fitness and Wellness podcast, bringing you a weekly dose of fitness and wellness inspiration as we explore together how to get motivated and create a realistic and achievable way to stay active within a busy life while stepping away from guilt and the diet roller coaster for good. Together, we'll unpack some of the myths and unhelpful messages from the traditional fitness and diet industry so that you can find a better, kinder, more helpful way to fit exercise and wellness strategies into your life improve your confidence and feel amazing. I'm your host, women's fitness and wellbeing coach, Alex Hubble, founder of ChickFit, mum of two, and a firm believer that exercise and eating well can go hand in hand with chocolate, wine, and lots of rest to create a happy life. You can find out more about me at chickfit.co.uk or head to my social media channels at Alex Chickfit. Well, hello there and welcome back to the podcast. And this week I've got another fabulous guest for you. And this is a first for me today because I've got my very first male guest. So there you go. It's only taken 95 episodes to get there. And I know you're going to find this really fascinating today because my guest is Owen Everard. He's a physiotherapist. He's got a PhD in biomechanics and is also a really, really successful runner, currently being European over 35 3K champion. So, of course, he knows absolutely masses about how our bodies work and, of course, how to train as effectively as possible for the results that we want. Now, when I invited him on, he suggested loads of amazing topics that he could talk about. And honestly, I felt like loads of them would be super, super helpful. But today we're going to really hone in on how to get as efficient as possible with your training and how to get the best possible results from your training as well, because that is what we're all after at the end of the day. So we're going to be talking about the key elements to work on for better movement and also how to structure those gym sessions. So you're hitting all of the markers for great performance in the gym or indeed your workouts at home as well. So welcome to the podcast, Owen. Great to have you. Alex, thanks so much for having me. I didn't realise it was the first male guest, so you are. pressure's on. <laughs> no, it's like it's all women, all women. <laughs> if this goes bad, I'll be back to 95 more women after this again. Yeah, I know, I know. It's very exciting. So before we get into talking about all of this, into sort of how to train more efficiently and more effectively, let's kick off with a little bit of background about you. Tell me a bit about yourself, about where your passion for movement actually came from. Yeah, so um, I did like work placement over in... Montreal and I was just we were in a class and someone came in and was talking about these this new kind of screening called um functional movement screen and they were just talking about this idea that you know that the the area that might be injured might be because of like how it's connected to the whole body as opposed to just rehabilitating the the actual area that's sore and the rehabilitations I've been learning in physio while they were decent, I always did feel like they were missing a link. And you know, when something just hits you of like, oh my God, this is, that's it. Like, that's the key thing. And then that was 2008 and it's just been a journey. Obviously, got my PhD in that area and I've just really tried to develop into that a lot about how to like develop good movement and how to develop good programs since then. Yeah, I mean, this is something that I'm I'm all over as well, because as well as what I do, I'm a massage therapist too. So oh, brilliant, Jess. about all of that, you know, how nothing is as it seems, essentially, yeah. that when something hurts, it doesn't just mean you work on the area that hurts, you're like, you're looking at, at clues in the rest of your body. Yeah. 
And actually, if we, like you say, you, you you talked about functional training. If we can make sure that our bodies are are moving in the best way for us, and that differs from person to person as well, then we can, you know, our movement can be more efficient. We can, you know, run better, for example. We can train better. We can hurt less, hopefully, as well. Yeah, but yeah. Those things. So yeah, it's a really it's a really fascinating area, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Honestly, it's like some of the things that can happen, it's like amazing. You know, even a thing of if you go try to touch your toes, but then like release the, like get a hockey ball and, and roll the underneath the bottom of your foot for like 30 seconds both sides, you'll be able to like touch your toes then or go down a lot further. And it's just, it's just kind of amazing with little things that, you know, you're not touching your hamstrings, but it increases the flexibility, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and actually that's something that has been really big for me because I work with a lot of women who are doing sort of post-birth rehab, um, yes. section rehab, pelvic floor rehab as well. And one of the things that we always do is get women to connect to their feet first. Like we roll the feet and we get connected to the feet because your feet have a really strong connection to your pelvic floor and your pelvic floor has a really strong connection to your abdominals. And, you know, and so it goes on. So it's like not like nothing in your body is isolated, right? Yeah, 100%. Exactly. It's like, it's all one chain. And a lot of times, you know, a lot of times, even all, a lot of the rehabs we see, I feel like what they miss out in is that like uh, they tend to work on an area that is injured because it's already overloaded. So, you know, like yes. say for a knee, people start doing like squats or lunges or yeah. for Achilles pain to do like heel drops and heel raises. And it's like that area is already working too hard. And the solution you're su- suggesting is to make that stronger so it can deal with all the extra work. You know, it's like... It's like if if you had two workers, you know, in your workplace and one is doing loads of the loads of the work and being stressed and your problem is like, okay, how do we try de-stress her? How do we work on her? And it's like, here, how about you get the other person working and she'll she'll be buying, you know? So a lot of times I find, you know, for the Achilles, for the example, it's like getting the hamstring and the glute working, having better balance just helps the Achilles or calf pain. Same with Uh the knee. It's like moving better at the hip and ankle yeah. you can naturally nearly get the knee moving less which takes a lot of pressure off same with the back and I could go on and on yeah yeah you know so a lot of women actually particularly post-birth actually come to me with knee pain and things like that and instantly I'm like like looking at right what's going on at your hip are your glutes, yes, exactly. are your glutes actually working you know they may not be a lot of the time they're not and all those kind of things so yeah it's I just I find it endlessly fascinating because everything is so so interconnected so kind of moving on from that, I think I would be really interested to talk a little bit about how we make sure that we're covering the key elements for better movement. Because as we've already said, like you, you're going to move more efficiently and get better yeah. results if you are moving well, but you're also in day-to-day life going to ensure that you're not having the aches and the pains that you could be having, you know, when you're moving less efficiently, let's say, um, because that, you know, there is not a right way and a wrong way to move because it it's kind of individual for each different person as to exactly how, how that looks for that person. But what would you say are like the key elements for better movement and in our day-to-day lives and in our training? Yeah. So like there's three areas why you might be able to move correctly. So the first is like mobility of the joints. Okay. So that's like, um, like that's what people think about flexibility. But in fact, like when we're talking about mobility of the joints or mobility in general, there's three reasons why that could occur. So if you do, you can do static stretching, you can do a thing called active isolated stretching, whereas like you go into a stretch for two seconds, come out of it and do that 15 times. Uh It could also be like 
that the muscle is actually, the length is fine, but it's got like knots, like trigger points that you'd know a lot about. So that requires like, you know, massage therapy or foam rolling or using like a hockey ball to release those off. So if you imagine you've not, if you are stretching, you're actually going to overstretch the bits that are like healthy the, and the knot is going to stay tight. So uh, in that case, it's like, it's important to like a hockey ball or foam roll that area that feels tight. And again, we always say foam roll before we stretch just for that reason. And then the last thing it could be is, it could be like the muscle is fine, but you're not moving well at the ankle or the hip because of the joint. And in that case, then you just need to move through the range. You don't actually hold anything. Well, you move through the range and you need to do that 30 times in total. You know, uh-huh. So you could do two by 15. The other thing is there's a thing called the joint by joint approach which essentially says that there's like every joint has like one primary function. It could do both things. Like, so the arch, like we should have like high arches when they're flattened, they're moving too much. Okay, so that should be stable. The foot should have good stability and we work on the balance. The ankle should have good mobility. It should rotate in any direction you need. The knee is a hinge joint. It should only flex and extend. And the problems we see is because it moves too much. The hip is a ball and socket joint. That should have good movement. The lower back should be stable. The upper back should be mobile. The shoulder stable. Shoulder blade stable. The shoulder mobile. So when you're targeting mobility, then ninety five percent of the times you're going to be okay if you're targeting the ankle to move better, and you're targeting at the hip, and you're targeting the upper back. Like generally, they're going to find it. So that's mobility. It's either the flexibility in the joint or the muscle. It's either trigger points or it's a joint. And if it's a joint, again, with all these, if you're googling anything, go ankle joint mobility work hip mobility work, upper back mobility work, you are going to hit about 90 to 95% of the problems that you see. Yeah. The next reason why people mightn't move poorly is, or might move poorly, is not a flexibility issue, is a stability issue. It's like, like you said about the knee pain. It's, they can't actually, they don't activate the muscles correctly. So say the glutes or the core muscles here just can't actually be like innervated or switched on. So what we need to do there is you need to just do your basic exercises like your glute bridging, your core work, finding like neutral spine. So arching your back down, coming all the way up, find the middle, lifting your stomach up. I find a lot of people, they they nearly get disheartened sometimes with, with stability. They're like, I don't think I'm activating the core or everybody tells me to activate core. I don't feel like I'm activating it. I'd always tell people, don't worry about that. If you're consciously trying to like lift up the stomach away from the ground or just draw the belly button in slightly as you push gently out to the sides. You're consciously just trying that over time. Your body will naturally do it. You know, like, so a lot of times people can feel frustrated. This is something that can happen gradually. But if you're just even consciously doing that or consciously trying to squeeze the bomb, then lifting up into a glute bridge, over time, those muscles will start switching on. So you, we have our mobility, we have stability, which is the activation. Again, thinking of the arch, thinking of the core and then the glutes to kind of keep the knee stable, you're going to hit a lot of issues if you do some balance work, standing on a foot to make sure you're burning, doing glute work wow. and then doing core work. And the other one you can do is just like some like shoulder blade stability. So like that one, like the shoulders can round. So doing some postural work, like lying on your stomach, bringing your elbows into your side and back up like making a W essentially one thing I'll say if you have any shoulder issues is never ever ever squeeze the shoulder blades together I mean, that affects the way 
that, that'll cause a lot of problems. So what you do is just bring your elbows down to the side as you lift your upper back when you're lying on your stomach. Uh-huh. So there, there's two reasons why you mightn't be able to squat correctly, say, or move or lunge or yeah. you mightn't be able to. It might be because there's a mobility issue generally at the ankle, the hip or the upper back. And we've talked about you could foam roll, you could do some joint mobility work, moving through the joints, you know, rotating the ankle, rotating the hip. I can talk through specific exercises if you want. Then the second is, it might be like, you know, your knees are buckling in or your core is not holding you steady. So you have to take it back a step, doing your glute bridges, doing your core work there, making sure you're activating those muscles correctly. And then lastly, it's a thing called a motor control issue. And what that means is it's like a technique issue. It's like you might be able to activate the core, you might have good movement, but it's like you haven't practiced that technique. And there's two ways to improve a motor control issue. The first is external assistance. It's like holding on to something and just practicing the movement. By holding on to something, you take out the, the how hard the exercise it is and it allows your body just to realize what it should be doing to do this correctly. So if I'm holding on to, say, like a banister for stairs and I'm like just squatting down, keeping my knees out and back up, over time that can teach my body what to do. The second thing is called RNT, reactive neuromuscular training. What you do with that is, say if you buckle in your knees, you make the fall worse. So you might wear a band around your knees and you'll see people do it. They don't even know why it's working or what it's doing. But because that's essentially like making your knees cave in more, it kind of teaches your body, it it like makes your body aware of this is definitely wrong. And then if you've done the stability work, you're like, well, you know that glute clam exercise I did to get those glutes working. I wonder if I switched that muscle on and pushed my knees back out, would it work? And it's just making that connection for your brain and your body that, all right, these are the type of muscles that should be on when I'm squatting. So there are the three reasons, uh, three ways we can move better. It can be mobility and you're better, you need to do it in that order. So if I was trying to, if, you, if someone's felt stiff, I would start looking at like a couple of like either foam rolling exercises for the area that felt stiff, like ankle or hip, if you didn't know, or myofascial release, it's called. I would look at maybe some stretches or I look at some joint mobility work. Then I would look at like basic activations, switching on the glutes, doing some glute work, doing some core work. And then lastly, I would start looking at motor control, doing the action and just holding on to something to make it easier or thinking about what the fault is. So if your knees buckle in, you have a band that pushes your knees in more. If well, your arms are always falling forward or your torso comes forward, put a band on to pull your torso even further forward. And then you realize that's wrong and it's easier to recorrect that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it sort of mirrors the way that I would work with, say, uh, you know, a client who is recovering post-birth, maybe had an abdominal separation. It's always yes. first. So I do the hands-on massage work and the right releases and stretches first. And then it's activating, you know, get, making sure we're activating the right muscles and we're using the right muscles and then you add the movement. So there's always like steps that come before that, aren't there? That's, and yeah. you know, of course, if, if you are finding that, you know, you're struggling to get into a low enough squat or a low enough lunge or something, then it's it's kind of taking it backwards and going right back to basics and and thinking about where you can improve that that mobility. And I think one of the other things that you were talking about was was that like core connection, like people saying that they don't feel like they're connecting to their core. That for me is a huge one because I think w- what ends up happening is a lot of people end up just gripping their abdominals all the time and they're holding yeah. 
holding. So there's that on the one hand is that we're so used to holding our tummy in all the time that we then can't, we then can't almost activate it because it's already switched on a lot of the time. We don't know it. But secondly, as well, it's that we we're expecting this this big contraction of muscles, yeah, like we might do with I don't know, like a bicep curl or something like that. And yeah. it's trying to explain that you know you're actually trying to access those deep core muscles, which are stabilizing muscles, and they don't work like that. They yes, they're not there to activate; they're there to stabilize. And so you're not going to feel it in the same way that you might feel other, you know, like you're doing if you're doing a crunch, yeah. you're going to feel that. But if yeah. you're activating those deep core muscles, it feels different, right? 100%. And even how you train them. So they're called local muscles. The bigger ones that we... And local local muscles are for stability. And as you said, stability is not no movement. The bigger muscles are for movement. They are ones you see. So they work differently. As you, you said, it's spot on there. And even I see people holding like a plank for like 30 seconds to a minute is wrong because that's not the way those muscles are designed to work. What you'd be better off doing is holding like say a plank for like 10 seconds dropping down for a second taking a breath and coming back into it and trying to breathe through those exercises because the local muscles are underneath the core muscles so more it's about teaching these like reflexively to work at a very low level you know as opposed to you said people can try to contract these contract these contract these and they actually can like alter the activations. And again, as you said, I think people can get discouraged. I've had a load of people come and like, oh no, I, I gave up doing that because I just wasn't feeling it. Or I thought I was doing that wrong. And it's one, it's like, as you said, do 10 second holds. Don't be, you shouldn't be shaking with this. You're actually using the muscles wrong. And secondly, it's like less is more. Are you just consciously trying to contract, drawing, you generally draw the belly button in. And then if you had your fingers into the side and as you're drawing your belly button in, try push out to the side. Just constantly thinking those two things. So as you draw in, and imagine if you stuck your fingers into the side, you're kind of g gently pushing your fingers back out of your stomach as you keep your belly button in. So you're not like protruding your stomach either. So your belly button stays slightly in and you push out to the side. So you make a nice cylinder, but you're just trying to breathe. And then constantly, the more times you switch on, they say that about meditation as well. It's not the how long you stay in the flow. It's like, each time you you come back to the breath is more important. And it's the same with core. It's like more you're activating that, switching off, but coming back, you're just teaching those more neural pathways. Yeah, because you have to switch something off before you can switch it on, right? Yeah, 100%. It needs to be reflexive. Yes. Because if people actually try to stay contracted the whole time, that can be negative on the back. It can cause what's called like sheer stress on no. the spine. And some people, if you have back pain when you're standing, or if you're walking a lot, a lot of times it's because the back muscles just don't switch off. So for that person, like they need to actually relax. Like one thing I will say is put your hands behind your back, like, you know, like nearly like the way an old man would like stand rather than have your hands like, like crossed across your, your fore. You know, if people are, you know, walking around, if you're shopping, swing your arms. That can just, all these things can help just like deactivate the muscles as opposed to needing the muscles to switch on. Yeah, getting rotation in there as well. You know, that's something I often work with people on is actually rotating your back because most people are a bit stuck there and they're not rotating and moving their back and they're gripping or holding and then they're getting the back pain. And so, yeah, and then you start to look at breathing and, you know, you can go on, you can go on. So I just wanted to move on now because the other thing that I really wanted to talk to you about today was is about the different sort of zones, I suppose, that we need to get into in our training. So obviously the people, you know, that all of those listeners to this podcast are, you know, they're busy women, right? They've got kids, yeah. 
jobs and they're running around, they're doing things all the time. So training needs to be efficient and they need to make sure that they are getting the most out of every single workout that they're doing. And that that essentially is what I work with women to help them to do. So what for you are kind of the key zones that we need to get into in our training when we're in the gym or when we're working out at home that are going to make our workout as efficient as it possibly can be? Yeah. So like if you have someone who's training, say like four times a week, say they're doing two runs and then two kind of, they might have one gym class and then maybe one hater type of Pilates class. They probably, there's five zones in the running sense. You have recovery running, then you have what's called like extensive aerobic, which is still like you could chat with your friend. You just have to kind of concentrate slightly. It's probably like 60%. If you're doing like two runs, generally we'll go like a high low day. So I imagine like the hit class you're doing or the gym, and we can talk about how we structure a gym. They're going to be what we call the high intensity days. So like we're lifting weights, we're, we're doing our hit class. So what we don't want them to have is that the running is very interval-based, high-intense work as well. That would be zone five, which is VO2 max. But we do want to hit it kind of maximal aerobic. So that would be like 80%. And what a session you might do there is like, say, if they warmed up, if they jogged for like, say, five, 10 minutes, and then you might do three to four, five-minute efforts at like 80% intensity. How do you know you're at 80%? A lactic threshold test would be the best thing you do. You'd have a heart rate strap. But if you're not that into running, that's fine. Now, they only cost about £100. So it's not like this is what the elite runners do. But then you'd know forever like what your heart rate zones you should hit. Uh-huh. They'd have a lactic zone. If you were doing that. So, you know, generally you want to have it at that 80% because then that's going to have you in a lovely aerobic burn. The thing I actually heard, this, this fat burning thing is is incorrect. This thing of like, Oh, I, I, you know, I walk or I go very slow because I'm in a fat burning state. It's, it's actually garbage. That doesn't, that isn't true because there's a thing like there's a thing called exercise post oxygen consumption. So if you're going faster, your metabolism is going to be more. But we don't want to have the nervous system like you're already busy, busy, busy. If you're going to have your gym session and you're going to have your like a hit session, they're too hard and hard workouts in the week anyway. You want the other two, you have two rest days then say that you're off. And then you want the other two days to be kind of aerobic, but still we want to get the max. So we might do one that's like three or four by five minutes of 80%. And again, if in doubt, better to go low because you'll stay aerobic then. You know, I would I would veer on the side of this feeling 70% rather than this feeling 90%. If you're doing that and then another session you could do is at the same intensity, you're slightly slower and maybe just doing two minutes on, two minutes off. So you go two minutes at that, like what feels like 80% and then maybe two minutes at what would feel like, say, 70%. Or like if you had a heart rate monitor or your heart rate's on your watch, if you see what 80% was no. and you're doing five minutes, dropping dropping down by about 10 to 15 beats on the two minutes easy. So not going super slow and then, you know, doing that starting at like, say, 10 minutes and then building up to like 20 minutes of total work on that, 10 minutes beforehand, 10 minutes after. That would be a lovely section because you'd be getting zone three, zone four, and then with the gym and the uh, the hit, you're kind of getting your zone five. And then you don't really need the zone one because you are having two rest days. So you just want to get the biggest bang for a buck. Yeah. So maybe go for a walk or something on those days. Or exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because the other thing as well is a lot of times people can do what I call like, there's no such thing as fast recovery. There is only recovery. So if you're doing a walk, that's perfect. Go for a walk with your friends. 
you know, go for something easy and then have the other days that are intentional. Yeah, definitely. Uh, helpful advice. So brilliant. Well, I think we've covered loads there. We've talked all about the better movement. We've talked about those training zones that you need to get into each week and, you know, how you could spread that over, you know, three to four sessions uh, during your week. Um, so before we finish off, Owen, could you just let everybody know where they can find out a bit more about you? Yeah, brilliant. Um, so we do like online Pilates. So I have a free book. It's called Get to the Line in the Best Shape Possible. And we have a free trial. So if they want to go to everardpilates.com, so it's E-V-E-R-A-R-D-P-I-L-A-T-E-S.com. So everardpilates.com. And uh, they can check out the, there's a little tab that says book. You can get the free book and there's a tab that says free trial if they want to try a free trial of the class. Fab, that sounds really good. So it's been amazing chatting to you today. And I know that everyone's going to have taken lots and lots and lots away from that about how we can look after ourselves, how we can move better in day-to-day life, how we can train more efficiently. Uh, so thank you for joining us. Thanks, Alex. Really like that. Thank you. Right. If you want to find out more about Owen, I will pop the details that he shared into the show notes for you today. So do go check all of that out. And I know that he's definitely got loads of amazing advice on running in particular. So if you are a runner, do go check all his stuff out as it could really help with your training. So that's it from me this week. I hope you've really enjoyed it today and I'm going to see you all again next time. Thank you so much for joining me today for the Busy Woman's Guide to Fitness and Wellness. Don't forget to come over and join me on my social media channels at AlexChickFit for plenty more inspiration.